Pushing Rubber Podcast, heading towards, uh, oh, well, this is episode 86. I'm your host, Adam Piggott, coming to you here from sunny Holland. It's a beautiful uh, evening, early evening here on Tuesday, the 26th of June, 2018. Um, and I was just sitting outside in the garden of the house that the good wife and I purchased recently. And it's on a river in Holland. Uh, our back garden sits on the river and there's nothing between us and the river. There's no horrible, you know, pedestrian park where the the riffraff could possibly uh, wander between us and the glories of the river. The river is called the Chawa um, and it, it runs through Chauda. Now that's the Dutch pronunciation. Um, if you probably, the, the name of the town I mentioned there, Gouda, you're probably thinking, what the fuck's that? Well, it's, if I pronounced it Gouda, which is, of course, the, uh, the, the English language pronunciation of it, uh, well, then you go, ah, oh, you're close to Gouda. I am, but it's Gouda, and the river is called the Gouda. So, the Gouda runs through Gouda. Hey, hey. Now, let me see the river. The river is spelled G-O-U-W-E. So you'd look at that and go, it's the Gooway. <laughs> I'm living on the Gooway River. No, it's the Chawa. The Chawa. And people are asking me, why, haven't you, why aren't you speaking Dutch yet? Well, there you go. That's all you need to know right there. That pronunciation that I just went through. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to tell you the town that I live in. Uh, maybe I don't live in a town at all. Maybe I live in a, in a deserted farmhouse, in a lonely farmhouse on the Chawa, somewhere between Chawda and other places that aren't Chawda, but are on the Chawa. Mm-hmm. Now, the thing I like about this river, um, the river itself is just basically, <laughs> I don't know why you call it a river, a canal. <laughs> Uh, it's probably about, oh, I don't know, 50 metres wide where we are now. But it's got major commercial traffic on it. Major commercial traffic. We get these uh, Dutch commercial canal boats, and they're big fuckers, uh, coming down with containers and packed up with sea containers and lots of sand. Like They go down, they go in one direction and they're really high in the water and they come back and they're loaded with sand all the way along these canal boats. And they're extremely, I mean, like right up to the gunnels. They're so low in the water that they probably have, you know, 400 centimetres or something before it's going to be washing over the sides. They load them right up. I've just had my tinner. I'm drinking a whiskey because I need that to be able to digest. Um... And here I am recording the podcast for you. Australia has just been knocked out of the World Cup <laughs> uh, by Peru. It's really, really funny that because I had a, a training course last week with like 15 Peruvians on it that spoke no English at all. Uh, we had a translator there and I was trying to teach them breathing apparatus. But we were all making jokes. Peru zero, Australia ten. And they'd go, no, Peru two, Australia zero. And they were right. Um, And I find that amusing because Australia shouldn't be in the World Cup at all. Because we suck. 
at soccer. Uh, what I've also found amusing about the World Cup is on the Australian newspaper on the weekend they had a few articles on it and they had uh, it was quite unfortunate because they had Belgium player scores magic goal and there's this photo of this guy that looks like he's come literally from the deepest darkest Congo. And then France scores goal, and once again, you've got a photo of a guy that looks like he's come from the deepest, darkest parts of the Congo. Uh, and then, I don't know, um, Cameroon scores goal, and once again, it's just like, uh, it's not the World Cup, it's the African Cup. As far as so. Like the Africans, no African nation has ever won the World Cup, but um, you wouldn't know it by looking at the photos. Basketball. Uh, slipped into irrelevance in the United States when the number of white players actually playing the game dropped to a point where if you have one white guy on the team, the white guy was looking around going, what am I doing here? You're going to mug me. I mean, back in, back in the day of, you know, the, the Boston Celtics against the LA Lakers and, you know, they had these huge... Huge rivalry back in the 80s and all the rest of it. Ah, over half the teams were white. White guys played it. Um, I can't think of any of their names because I've never been a big basketball fan, but I remember. I remember. Uh, same with the World Cup. I was like, oh, it looks another team. Oh, this is, which team's this? Because you can't tell what teams the World Cup are anymore looking at the players. You can tell only if they come from a country whose name ends in Stan or a country from some part of Asia. So China, you can tell. Is China in the World Cup? I don't know. Japan, Japan, South Korea. I don't even know if these player countries are in the World Cup. But if they were, you could tell what teams they were because you'd look at them and go, mm. now I can actually tell the difference between Asians. If you put... A Chinese, a Korean, and a Japanese in front of me, I'll pick them. Japanese, I'll go, Nihonji. Like this. Because I work with heaps of Japs. I know them. And I know the Koreans, they've got more squishy faces. Pudgy. Because they eat more pork. The Koreans eat lots of pork and dairy. The Japs don't go near it. Yeah? You can, the, the diet, you can tell them apart. Chinese, they're like the bottom feeders of the Asian world. They're like the shrimp. I'll eat it just about anything. And thus, they look like it accordingly. So you can tell the difference. Vietnamese, I don't think they've eaten anything since the end of the Vietnam War. You can tell what they look like. Yeah? Singaporeans, they're the only Asians that are fat. True story. A true Singaporean, like a native Singaporean. Women are very unattractive in Singapore. Very unattractive. Has it been for years? For years. Don't ask me how I know. I think my exposure to Asian women is why I never slept with any Asian women. I've only ever slept with white women. I've never touched anyone outside my racial barriers. And that was from no sense of, you know, grand occasion when I was younger. I just didn't want to go there. I was just like, oh, no. No. And let me tell you, I had moments. I had moments. I think the, the most moment was when I was hosting the rafting bus in Cairns. Uh, after the day's rafting, we get back and we're dropping people off in the hotel. And there was this uh, 
drop dead gorgeous Japanese girl traveling by herself. And when I say drop dead gorgeous, I mean holy shit. And she was tall too. She was probably about 5'10, which for a Jap is tall. Um, and literally, I was, you know, thanking everyone on the bus. And maybe they didn't know what hotel they were staying at. So I have to ask, Ah, Hilton San. Hilton San. This is 20 years ago, and I can still remember the fucking phrases. I've got a gift for languages. What can I say except for pronouncing fucking Dutch? Hang on. Single malt's got whiskey. Um, anyway, so she gets off the bus. She shakes my hand. And as she shakes my hand, I'm like, she just gave me something. And I played it cool. I played it cool. And she gets off the bus and she's very cool. And let me just say again, drop dead fucking gorgeous. Holy shit. Uh, legs that went all the way up to her armpits. Um, her armpits you couldn't see for the breasts. And a face that would launch, uh, well, imagine something graceful and gracious and beautiful that would be launched. She'd launch it. Um, anyway, um, nestled in my beady paw was her room number and name and hotel. Even though I knew the hotel because I just fucking dropped it off. Her offered it. But it was a weird hotel because it was a women's only hotel. It was like a women's refuge hotel. Some sort of... I wonder if they've still got it in... Let's have a look. Gee, the beauties of the... This is the real beauty of the internet. Uh, when you can do stuff like this. Uh, women's... Women's only hotel... Cairns, I think it was on Lake Street. Uh, Cairns Girls Hostel. Here it is. Um, let's read about this. Uh, pink page, of course. The Cairns Girls Hostel is Cairns' only female backpacker accommodation. As in, it's the only one or they only accept females. I don't understand. Not good English there, uh, people who wrote this. Our hostel is loaded in Cairns Central Business District. Uh, Means paying a penalty for all local tour The hotel is a major pickup point for all local tour operators. That's an unfortunate selection. The hotel is a major pickup point for all local tour. Very unfortunate selection of words. Um, let's have a look. Uh, uh, it doesn't actually say. Oh, yes, we are the only spot in all of Cairns which offers backpacker accommodation to women only. Um, that's pretty discriminatory, isn't it? Mario and Jenny. They've got a photo of Mario and Jenny there. And probably uh, produce pornography on the side. Oh, they've got a gallery. Excellent. <laughs> One of the Japanese chick will be there. Uh, let's have a look. <laughs> Cairns Girls Hostel. You two can look at this. Uh, oh no, back row in the red singlet. Yeah, a few beers down the wool shed, you do her. Um, let's see, maybe far left, just behind the horrible chicken, the everlast top. Uh, let's have a look at this. This doesn't look promising. This photo, this looks very unpro. Oh, bad. 
bad. Uh, let's have a look. Girls sitting in the backpack. Let's see if this looks like fun. Uh, not fun at all. That's what they're... Uh, that, they've all got fat ankles. They've all got fat ankles. Anyway, mega hot Japanese girl was staying at the Cairns Girls Hostel. I'd never fucking heard of the place. Um, and so I've got the room number and I've got the Jap girl and I'm thinking to myself, yeah, but I have to go sleep with her in a hostel that's spe- specifically catering to women. What's their attitude to rafting guides bonking the guests on their premises. I don't know. It's this girls, Cairns Girls Hostel. All right, you're not allowed to book in, but are you allowed to go in and play hide the sausage with the girls? I thought probably not. So I didn't go and play uh, Rumpy Pumpy with Mega Hot Japanese Girl. Yes, the Cairns Girls Hostel put me off a little bit. I've got to close that page. That's horrible to look at. Um, but in reality, uh, uh, I just, I just, I've never gone outside. I've never gone outside one of my. Um, I've got gone outside the the whole the whole white thing. I just haven't done it. Just haven't done it. Anyway, so I live on the Hawa River. Close to Halda that produces cheese, and it's a uh, it's a commercial river. They 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 really they're transporting stuff upside up and down. It's like the olden days. And I read this article, which I'm going to link to in this week's Friday's Hot Chicks and Links, um, called "Bourbon versus Bourbon: Did Whiskey Really Taste Better in the 1800s?" If you ship whiskey on a river, does it taste better? We wanted to know, so we ran an experiment. So what they did is in the old days before uh, trucks and bottling lines. All American whiskey was aged and shipped in barrels. And as they, as they write here, soaking up flavour as it sloshed down the Mississippi River. Eventually, people took a particular liking to the barrels marked Bourbon County, Kentucky. They started clamouring for bourbon. And that's how the whole thing got started. Anyway, there's this guy who runs, the co-founder of Jefferson's Bourbon, never heard of it. Uh, and he's, and he decided to perform an experiment. He's like, all right, let's ship a cask of my bourbon in a barrel. Um... He sent two barrels uh, down the traditional bourbon shipping route, down the Ohio River to the port of New Orleans, then into the Atlantic and up to New York City. The day he arrived in Manhattan to taste it, he bought the first sample along with a control batch that hadn't been shipped. Uh, And he got a few other people there to drink. Uh, The whiskey that took the trip, which Sova calls Jefferson's Journey, was mature beyond its age, richer with new flavours of tobacco, vanilla, caramel and honey. It was some of the best bourbon any of of us had ever drunk. And they got some scientists to look at it. And basically what they worked out was the bourbon sloshing along in the barrel caused it to age faster and be more complex. And it's interesting because we always, you know, we, 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 drink, we drink alcohol, maybe wine or champagne, and they think, oh, you know, they found 100 bottles of champagne in a uh, sunken vessel at the bottom of the Baltic Sea, which has been preserved. And everyone's probably thinking, oh, that'll taste like shit. You know, beer back in the 1850s. Oh, my God, it wouldn't be like modern beer. Um, and, and this kind of disproves that whole thing. It's just like they were drinking better. 
Because you see the you see the things, you know, the, the old cowboy western movies, and they go to the bar and they go, you know, give us a shot. And they got a shot there, boom, back it goes, and everyone like everyone in the movie theater kind of winces because oh, that was probably fucking brake fluid equivalent, or something like that. Turns out it's not. Turns out it tasted better. And you lose that over a few generations. Like let's say, let's say they stopped doing that. Let's say in the nineteen twenties. Well, prohibition. Let's say they stopped. I don't know. Whatever. Let's start, let's say they stopped shipping by a river by nineteen forty. Right. So the guys in the generation who knew the bourbon that was shipped by river would go, this bourbon, this new bourbon doesn't taste the same. Blah blah blah. There'd be complaints. But the bourbon companies would hold out because it was cheaper. And eventually the new generation would come through and they'd be like, tastes fine to me. Because they wouldn't know what they'd be missing out on. And that's how change happens. For the better or for the worse. As in this case. Um, there, is an, uh, there is a whole bunch of uh, by-elections going on in Australia uh, on, in about a month's time. Because seven or eight of... Labor's the the left party, the Communist Party in Australia, uh, politicians were found out to actually hold dual citizenship and have no right to be an Australian politician and were all thrown out on their ass, uh, which was amazingly funny because the leader of the opposition, um, Bill Shorten, who is very short, um, publicly declared that there was no way in hell that any Labor politician, uh, any Labor member of caucus, would be blah, 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 blah. Now we've got seven or eight by-elections. I can't remember. Anyway, headline, and I've resubscribed to the Australian online. I did it last week. I was just sick and tired of trying to get around the paywall, and honestly, it only cost me four bucks a week, and, and I, I unsubscribed about a couple of years ago just because Miranda Devine was so fucking horrible in her opinion pieces. I, just, I rang her up and said, I cannot give you fucks money anymore because of this and the person in the room went yeah i get it um but I, it's just i get so many i get so much material from the australian which is nominally the conservative newspaper in australia um and it, it's just it's just it's just so much easier to come up with something to post about because you know i do an article every day and they're not short Today's article, 1,000 words. Yesterday's article, I think it was around 900 words. This is not short stuff that I'm doing. And I need I need to be able to... Oh, look, there's a canal boat going past me with an excavator on it. It's a little green one. Oh, holy fuck, and I just got passed by this huge boat. They've got their own personal car at the front. It's, it's still going past me. It's still going past me. It's still going... It's moving fast, by the way. It's still going past me, moving fast. It's still going past me. Gone. Can you hear it? I should do a uh, live stream down the river. Mm. But then you all know where I'd leave and the bad people would find me. And Ah, oh, the bad people can find me anyway, Juki. It's my cat. Juki, bad people can find me anyway. Yeah. Yeah, they can. And then who's going to give you your cat food, huh? You little fuck. <sighs> Love. That's that's what I promote. Love and awareness and happiness. <laughs> anyway. Um, they've got all these by-elections coming up in a month. Anyway. Uh, here's an article in the Australian National Affairs from today. 
written by Jared Owens. Jared Owens looks like someone you'd want to punch in the face. Longman by-election is ground zero in class war. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's have a look. Uh, Bill Shorten's pledge for appeal company, company tax cuts is consolidated by-election. Battleground electoral Longman's a ground zero in the nation's tax war. So basically in Australia, the media is running the line hard that these seven by-elections are precursors to next year's national federal election, which is going to be called next year without any doubt, is all along tax cut lines, which is basically which political party can attempt to bribe the majority of the population of Australia with their own money. That's what it amounts to. Yes, we're taking your money away from you, but if you vote for us, we'll, we'll take a little bit less of your own money away from you. That's what it is. And the thing is that this... And the politicians are running it the same way. Labour and Liberal are running these by-elections exactly the same way. The media is reflecting what the two major parties are running on. They do not understand that the world has changed. The board game has been upended. If I can think of any more cliches, I'll let you know. Um, It's not soccer anymore, and it's definitely not cricket. It's no longer the old playing field. Trump, stop that. Brexit, stop that. The rise of... National populist parties in Europe has stopped that. The future elections will be fought and won on immigration. Immigration. Boom. Immigration. Let's call this the immigration episode. Immigration. I received an email today from David uh, over at XYZ Magazine. He's the editor there. And David's going to put a couple of my pieces up. Uh, I used to send my articles to David and go, oh, you know, you know, and I've met David a few times. We've had drinks. Lovely guy. Lovely guy. You should support XY Magazine. Um, really. Um, David, if you listen to this, you're always welcome to come and have a drink in Holland. I'm fucked if I'm going to go travel all the way back to Australia. Anyway, so uh, I've sent him my article on Total Conservative Madness and Immigration, which I posted this morning, and he's going to publish it tomorrow. Anyway, he wrote this to me in an email. A meme I find telling at the moment is that the difference between socialists and conservatives is that socialists want to give away our countries to illegal immigration, while conservatives want to give away our countries via legal immigration. And I saw that and I went, damn, 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 why didn't I think of that? If it's a meme going around, that means that David didn't think of it, so suck shit, David. Um, and it's so true. And I wrote my article today. So this, this, these by-elections, these by-elections are not about fucking tax. 
They're on immigration. And any... Look, Australian Conservatives with Corey Bernardi doing fucking nothing, Corey. Doing fucking nothing. And Pauline One Nation doing fucking nothing. If you'd run on immigration... Listen, Australia was ready to run on immigration 20 years ago. When Pauline Hanson said we're being uh, swamped by Asians, I think she got 6 million votes or something like that in a national election of 20 million people. I mean, it was a huge shock. I don't know how many votes she got. This is back, this is 20 years ago, in 1998. 20 years ago. If she got that many fucking votes running on immigration 20 years ago, how many fucking votes do you think you're going to get now if you vote on immigration? If you run on immigration. And when I say run on immigration, I mean stopping it dead. Dead. Stopping it dead. From today, annually, 250,000 immigrants. Mostly from China and India. Every fucking year to Australia to tomorrow, zero. 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 I'm holding up two big O's with my thumb and forefingers. Zero. Zero. I'll go middle finger so we can give the fuck off. Zero immigration. Zero. If any political party ran on that, booyah, you win. You win. You win. I don't care what the spin doctors say. I don't know what the pollsters say. These are all the people who got Trump wrong. These are all the people who got Brexit wrong. These are all the people who got the Italian election wrong. Who got all of those right? Me. I got all of them right. Am I special? No. Well, yeah. I don't mean special. I don't, I don't mean special, but special, by the way. But I'm looking at it as it is, as the facts are, what we've fucking got in front of us right now. Immigration is the only thing that matters. We are giving away our countries. Australia stopped illegal immigration when Tony Abbott took power and he stopped the boats, something that the left in Australia said could never happen, that it was impossible to stop the boats. It was impossible. You could not do it because it wasn't impossible, of course, because that was proven, but the left wanted the illegal immigrants to come in because they want to change the country to a socialist paradise. And the way you do that is to replace the native population with a compliant immigrant who will do what you say. As long as you start shooting them when they don't do what you say. So, the Conservatives under Tony Abbott stopped the illegal immigration while continuing a quarter of a million people a year Coming into the country from Shitsville, India. Where's the biggest shithole in India? Let's, let's, fuck me dead. Let's do a search on some search engine here. What is the biggest shithole in India? I wonder what comes up. Uh, this beach in India may be the largest outdoor shithole in the world. Disturbing. I've never felt so lucky to have a toilet to poop in. They've got a video. Do I want to watch this? There's a guy shitting on the beach. 281 comments. Um, this is from 2015. Uh, 
Uh, reading all these hate comments for India, I'm not even feeling offended because they are true. But I would also like to also point out this is not only what my country is about. Um, yeah, let's have a look at this video. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna watch it. Uh-huh. No one cares, you bitch. Let's get to where they're shitting on the street, on the beach. Yep. They're shitting on the beach. Uh-huh. It's covered in plastic. Covered in plastic. People live in plastic houses. People wonder where the plastic goes in the oceans in the world. It's from... India, Asia, and Africa. That's where it's from. Zones wrong. We're not putting it in. I'll tell you what, this this river here outside the Hello, outside my, I saw a plastic bottle floating down the river on the weekend, and it was like, holy fuck! First one I've ever seen. A bit of a bit of rubbish in the river. Yeah, that's the Netherlands for you. Um, so there's now there's now signs in the streets and pictographs in Melbourne telling people not to shit in the streets. I wonder why. You uh, bring in a quarter million uh, street shitters into your country every year, and then you suddenly have to start putting up signs saying don't shit in the street. Eh, eh, eh. Immigration. Booyah, 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 booyah. Immigration. So I wrote this article today, which, by the way, I've been sitting on for a while. Uh, The link that I linked to um, on the uh, Powerline blog was from about two or three weeks ago. It's been sitting open in my um, browser here the whole time. So I'm like, how do I approach this one? Just sometimes and sometimes I, I read something and go, oh, that's it. Yeah, that's going to be a big one. I've got I to write about that. But then I just need to let it ferment. I need to let it ferment like uh, bourbon whiskey uh, traveling down the Ohio River. Uh, through New Orleans, um, and then around the tip of Florida and up up the uh, east coast of the United States of America to New York. Uh, when it gets there, it has uh, vanilla notes, coffee, essence, uh, smoky flavors, and uh, you get the idea. So I needed to sit on it. So anyway, there's this high school uh, in New York called... Uh, Stuyvesant High School. Didn't that used to be cigarettes, Peter Stives? Peter Stives? I'm pretty sure. Do they still have those? I don't know. Uh, Let's imagine an academically elite public school in a big, diverse city. Big, diverse city. Uh, New York City did not used to be a big, diverse city. If you look at photos from the 1950s, all you see in New York City are white people. That's all you see. The niggers were all up in the Bronx. That's where they stuck them. All you see is white people. That's it. I tell you what, there's not a chink to be seen. There's not a Japo in the house. Nothing. No Asians. Nada. But let's imagine an academically elite public high school in a big, diverse city. This is from a conservative blog, mind you. Okay? The Powerline blog is a conservative blog. Very conservative. And this was linked to by Maggie's Farm. Also a conservative block. 
And I wrote the comment, when they linked to a Mangus farm, I wrote the comment, oh, I didn't realise that New York was Hong Kong. And everyone's like, well, it's... <laughs> Surprise, I wasn't banned. Anyway, admission is based solely on how well one does in an entrance examination. No racial or ethnic preferences, no preference for children of alums, no preference for athletes, no guidance council recognition, just a test We've imagined divestment high school, the crown jewel of the New York City school system, the best high school in New York City. And this writer is upset that the, the left-wing socialist fucktard mayor of New York City wants to impose diversity quotas. This might not do because they've already got diversity quotas because it's a diverse city. Let's break it down. Here, for purposes of the world we actually live in, is the breakdown of the entering freshman class. It's divestment. Asian, 613. White, 151. Hispanic, 27. Black, 10. That gives you a total student body of just over 800 students, of which 151 are white in one of the most important cities in the most powerful nation in the world, which as far as I'm concerned, used to be a white fucking nation. As David said to me, socialists want to give away the country to illegals. Hang on. <coughs> My love. Hello. Can I call you back in 15? Podcast. Ciao. <coughs> I need some of a drink. I've been yelling at the fucking podcast for so long. My throat's gone, Juki. I better get water. It's Tuesday. I can't be drinking whiskey all night. I've got to get up early and go to work tomorrow. Rise and shine at 5am. Let's get some water in there. Some nice San Pellegrino sparkling right, Cat? Hmm? Yeah? You don't give a fuck, do you? Okay. So, where was I? 800, over 800 students, 151 white, 613 Asian. This, by the way, is exactly the same situation that you get at, at schools like Melbourne Grammar. Stand outside Melbourne Grammar and it says, fucking Asians coming out all day. You may as well be in Hong fucking Kong. As I wrote, do you see the disconnect? A conservative side is upset that a liberal mayor wants to impose diversity quotas because the school is already a big success at diversity. A diversity has come about due to entry standards and merit, the glorious heaven of all modern conservatives. For the modern conservatives, it doesn't matter if the native population is kept out of the best schools due to over-immigration, just as long as everyone got their own merit. Yeah? Just as long. Yeah? It's perfectly fine for native white children to miss out on the best education possible, as long as the new arrivals who took it from them work really hard to do so, yeah? And that they, you know, they all, you know, oh, let me see, they, they share our values. They share our values. Oh, they share our Western values. That's all you need. That's all you need. We're giving away our country. So I got a comment today from a new commenter on the blog, someone called Pat himself. Uh, who's got a website inspected by Pat. Um, new commenter at my blog. Um, 
and uh, he's just rocked in, and he's uh, done this uh, comment. He's quoted for me. Um, the, the, the pit is quoted from me is this. For the modern conservative, it matters not if the native population is being kept out of the best schools due to over immigration, just as long as everyone got their own merit. Apparently, it's perfectly fine for native white children to miss out on the best education possible, as long as the new arrivals who took it from them work really hard, end of quote. This is what Pat himself had to say. I think you're wrong as wrong can be. Having three kids go, kids go through high school in a relatively affluent area, I can say with some authority that the native white children and many others don't work nearly as hard as the Asians. They work for it. They deserve it. Well, you've just made my point. I've said that apparently it's perfectly fine for native white children to miss out because the new arrivals work harder. You're saying I'm wrong as wrong can be and then just said that I'm right, Pat. How does that work? But let's get to the good bit of Pat's comment. And, quote, native white children, unquote, that's bullshit. Chinese have been here as long or longer than the Irish. Vietnamese have been here for decades. I'm betting most of these kids are second and third generation are better. Most of my kids' friends and parents were American as anyone else. Here we fucking go. Pat and everyone who thinks like Pat, it doesn't matter how many generations. These Asians are here. Ask the generations of Boer farmers in South Africa who've been there, who founded the country because it was empty. There were no people there in the 1600s when the Dutch farmers rocked up to South Africa and formed a colony and then trekked inland when the British took it over and thought, fuck this, we're going to go form Rhodesia. 400 years, that many generations they had. It didn't matter. Shit. Once. The black population decided they had to go and they got the white liberals on their side. Didn't matter shit. Two or three generations, Pat. That's dust in the wind, mate. Dust in the fucking wind. Ask the three million Germans who were physically expelled from Prussia and Eastern Europe at the end of World War II after getting their asses raped off by the Russians when they came in, who'd been there for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. They were surplus. And both of these populations that I quoted were the native populations. The Boers in South Africa were the native populations. There were no blacks in South Africa. The only blacks that existed there were the Kalahari Bushmen. They didn't give a fuck about anyone. The blacks were up over the other side of the Zimbabwe River. Zambezi River, sorry. They came down looking for a free ride from the whiteies. Germans had been there. Well, let's go right back. Where do you want? How far do you want to go back? The Teutonic Knights who were all the way up in Riga? In the 12th century? How far do you want to go back? These were the native population. Two or three generations they've been here. Of Vietnamese, really, of Chinese. In a country that was founded by Englishmen who were fleeing tyranny and injustice on the continent. 
who got rid of the native Indian population themselves. This is the bullshit that we have to live with. I'm not full of bullshit, Pat. You're full of bullshit and all of your ilk. If you don't think that this is wrong. He goes on. Most of the, quote, native whites, unquote, lost that work. Get that. To say that, a, that, 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 that Americans would be white, native whites, is now, is now a finger of mockery to people like Pat. I didn't see many Asians travelling to Europe from America in World War I, Pat, to fight and die in the trenches when America entered that war. I didn't see many Asians drowning in the Titanic, Pat. I didn't see many Asians storming Omaha Beach, Pat. And when America went to war with Japan, the first thing they did was stick all the Asians that were there, and there weren't that many, in camps. That's what they thought of the native Asian population. And yet here we are 70 years later as the last veterans of World War II shuffle off this mortal coil, looking around their countries that they fought and many of their friends died for, not recognising the place that they weren't once, once uh, well, they grew up. Let's, have, let's continue with Pat's comment. Most of the native whites, quote-unquote, lost that work ethic long ago. There are many, many reasons for this, such as the parents not giving a shit and pushing the kids. Oh. Or it could be that the Chinese immigrants push their kids harder. What was that book by that horrible woman, the Chinese mother, Chinese super mother or something? That's not our culture. That's not our culture at all. Another commenter called Mark Mills commented, looks to me like it's the Asian immigrant families who are endorsing Western cultural values. And I replied, if Asian families were endorsing Western cultural values, they'd be doing it in Asia. Why aren't there any Western cultural values in uh, Beijing, Mark? Western cultural values are there because of Westerners. We built it and now we're giving it away. You give something away. You reduce your competitors. Competitiveness, as Alan and other commenters said, you end up in the discard bin. Pat himself continues. You can't foist work hard, you'll succeed, then jam people when they try. It's amazing, isn't it? You can't foist work hard, you'll succeed, then jam people when they try. So... We've got America. Work hard, you'll succeed. Let's bring in millions upon millions of immigrants and not increase the number of uh, exclusive institutions in the country. And suddenly, work hard, you'll succeed. Doesn't have the same ring to it, does it? As uh, Tucker Carlson said last week, why do we need more immigrants? Why? Same in Australia. Why do we need more immigrants? On the one hand, you've got the left complaining that the abos are being, you know, we've stolen their land. On the other, if you dare to drop the annual quarter of a million immigration quota, the same left lose their minds. 
You, as Pat says, let's continue with Pat. You can't force work hard, you'll succeed, then jam people when they try. You also can't complain about the yellow peril when many, if not most, are as native as anyone else. They're not native, Pat. Look, Pat, go to China, live there for three generations, bring up your white brethren, see how native you fucking are. And this is the thing. I think the real reason that the conservatives just don't want to go there on this issue is because by going there, you actually then are forced to look at the next step, which is, what do we do? And that's completely unpalatable. That's completely unpalatable. Are we going to force out these hard-working people, these hard-working Asians? Are we going to force them out? What? You mean like three million Germans were thrown out of Prussia and Eastern Europe at the end of World War II? You mean like that? You mean like the Boers being thrown out of South Africa that they built themselves over 400, 500 years? You mean like that? And those were the native populations. Thank you very much. They don't want to go there. See, the left made the mess initially, but then conservatives, the right, kept the mess going. They bought into it. So now no one can solve the mess. And the mess, it's not make America great again, people. It's not MAGA. It's make America white again. That's what it's going to be. If you don't think it's going to be a civil race war breaking out in America and Australia and the United Kingdom in the very near future, then you're not looking at what's going on. You're not looking at the stats. You're not looking at the sheer fucking reality that's staring you in the face. That's what's happening. We're going to have civil wars based on race. That's what's going to happen. The really, the really amusing thing about that, and I use that in a terribly black and dark humour way, is the socialist Marxist whites who will be caught between a rock and a hard place, shot by their own kind, and rightly so, put them up against a wall, and shot by, well, the enemy, which will be anyone who's not white. How will it go? I don't know. Personally, I think it'll do a Yugoslavia. The whites will hang on to some areas of the country. The blacks will hold on to, well, probably not very much because they're black. Uh, the Hispanics will take a bit. And I don't know what the Asians are going to do because the Asians, the Asians are, are so dispersed. And the Asians are so believing that they are actually American. Um, when they're not at all. They're not. They're not American. And they're not Australian. There is no such thing as an Asian Australian. There's no such thing as a Chinese Australian. There is no such thing as an Indian Australian. These are just, these are just foo-foo in the sky, flim-flam, floating through the etherness. That's what this is. It does not exist in any measurable reality. So when the push comes to shove, there's going to be a lot of rude awakenings. A lot of rude awakenings indeed. When someone gets in charge in Australia on the back of immigration and then turns around and says, you got eight weeks to get out. 
watch the shit go down. You got eight weeks to sell your assets and get out. Watch the housing market collapse then, people. Watch China get all upset then. You're going to throw out our citizens? You're going to throw out our Chinese nationals from your own country? Exactly. They're your nationals. They're your citizens. They're your people. Take them back. Because we know what will happen if war breaks out. Take them back. If you were an Englishman travelling through Europe in uh, September the 1st, 1939, when Germany invaded Poland, you had two days to get out of Germany and get across the border into Switzerland or France or anywhere else. Because if you were still there on the 3rd of September, the Germans already knew you were there, boom, you were locked up. The 3rd of September is when Great Britain declared war on Germany. They locked you up straight away. Bang. And the English and the Germans, about as close you can get genetically in this world of nations as is possible. I mean, the royal houses of the two countries have intermarried for the last 500 years. And bang, you're in jail. You're a German in fucking Britain? Bang. You were locked up. You were incarcerated for six long years. Six long years. So if we do that to our own kind when the shit goes and hits the fan, what do you reckon is going to happen to people whose complexions are not of ours? You don't, you, don't, you, don't, you don't understand that in the next five years it's all going to go down. It's all going to go down. It's gone down so fast already. 2018 is so different from 2015 in every way imaginable. What do you think 2023 is actually going to look like? What do you think? The end of Trump's... Oh, hang on. Trump, 2016 to 2020. Oh, no. 2023, he'll still have a year to go in his second term. What do you think it's going to look like, guys? We all, we all look, you know, you all look at like, you know, there's movies of the, of the Holocaust or something. It'll be Germany, 1937. And anyone wonder, watching it will be thinking, fucking hell, man, if you're a Jew, why the fuck weren't you getting out? Why weren't you getting out? How much, how much notice did you need? How much warning did you need to get? How could you still be a Jew living in Germany when they invaded Poland? Five years of them, of them, crystal nights and all the rest of it. And yet, there were millions of them. Head in the sand. Head in the fucking sand. And that's why it's going to be brutal. That's why it's going to be really brutal when it happens. And it's going to happen. It's going to be... I'll tell you where it's going to be brutal is Australia. Australia has never had an internal conflict. Australia, apart from being bombed by the Japs a few times in World War II, has never had conflict on its shores. Australia is soft. Australia has doubled. Australia has a level of immigration higher than the United States per head of population. Per quota, per capita, Australia is much higher. Much, much higher. And I still remember it coming here, moving here to Europe when I left Australia and was like, oh my God, you don't want to go to Europe. It's being overrun by immigrants. It's just like, you're living in a different world. 
You're living in a different world, a completely different world. I work with white people. I'm surrounded by white people here. When I see a person who is not of our complexion, they stand out. One person at work is not white. Lovely lady, by the way, from Suriname. Lovely lady. Get on very well with her. She's gorgeous. Lovely person. And this is the tragedy. This is the tragedy of the individual in this situation. And this has been brought in by the left. I said it before, I say it again. When I lived in the valley in Italy, in Val di Sole, there were, I think, 16,000 people population in the valley, and there were three Australians. Out of 16,000 people, there were three Australians. So I was a curiosity, and I learned to speak Italian, and I, I set up a business there, and I hired Italians, and my friends were Italians, and I, I had one friend who was English. That was it. I didn't associate with people who weren't Italian. Three out of 16,000. Well, let's say it was 3,000 Australians in that valley out of 16,000. Well, now, now I'm not a curiosity. Now I'm an invader. And personally, as an individual, I haven't changed a bit between the two circumstances. I haven't changed. I'm still me. I'm still doing my best. I'm still... But now, now... I'm resented. Now I'm an invader. Now, I'm, now my children are taking places from the Italians in the valley. Who before, if it was just there was just three of us, my children wouldn't have been a problem. But three thousand of us. Well, now, now we get to a situation. Let's go back to those stats at the Stuyvesant High School there of a student body of eight hundred and six hundred and thirteen are Asian, and one hundred and fifty-one are white. That's an invasion. And if you can't see that, if you then put a comment on my blog with white, whoa, you put a comment on my blog with native white children in inverted commas, as if that's an aberration, as if that's a lie to the United States of America, then you're part of the problem. And you're going to get a rude shock, a nasty shock. What's going to happen? We're going to send them all back? I wish it was that simple, but it's not going to be that simple. It's going to be much more messy than that. It's going to be much more messy than that. And that's, that's, that's the reality. That's the cards that are being dealt. As Royce says, diversity plus proximity equals war gets there eventually. And it's looking more and more like that Every single day. Every single day. Captain Capitalism, Aaron Clary, my good friend, uh, a man who I had the pleasure of doing a podcast with the other week on the Greasy Poll, uh, which was great, a great thrill for me. Uh, it'll be a real thrill when we finally meet up. Um, he sponsors this blog. Check him out at capitalcapitalism.blogspot.com and then there you can find links to his YouTube site, he had a, um, I, I, looked, I looked at a couple of videos of Quest. Um, let's have a look. What was the one I looked at? He's done a whole bunch recently. Um, um, where is it? It's gone. He had one about you had to have a grey beard 
to he had to have gray hair to be able to oh where is it i watched it cappy don't try until you have gray hair i like that video i like that video now why isn't that appearing on his site Oh, it's the Older Brother podcast. Oh, Cappy. This is a... Look, I'm trying to send people to you and I'm watching your stuff, but it's not on your thing. It's on your Older Brother thing. Look, it's only got nine comments because people don't know it's there. Oh, all right, he's got his older brother as well. Um, don't try until you have grey hair. I like this video. I thought it was very good. Uh, what other videos has he got? Um, uh Cappy's Motorcycling Basics 101. Hmm. I haven't seen that. And I... And Aussie wants Cappy's opinion on motorcycles just to get started. What? Why didn't he ask me? I'm an Aussie and I do motorcycles. Oh, my God. That's, that hurts, man. That hurts. You know, right in the fields. In the fields. Check out Cappy. He's done a whole bunch of books as well. Um, this has been the immigration episode on the uh, Pushing Rubber podcast. I've been your host, Adam Figgett. You can check out my blog, pushingrubberdownhill.com. Uh, subscribe to that. This podcast, subscribe to this. Uh, my books, buy them, Pushing Rubber Downhill, uh, Run Guts, Pull Cones. And my third book is being worked on still as we speak. Yes. But it's starting to pick up speed. I hope to have it out this year. Uh, thanks for listening to me. Don't you go changing. Next week. Bye now.